Welcome to the podcast all about women's wealth. Women's wealth is growing faster than men's. As women in the next generation rise in financial power, women will fundamentally change the meaning of legacy. Women as singles, mothers, wives, or widows not only need access to a full continuum of opportunities to save, invest, and preserve financial assets, they also need access to financial education and coaching coupled with affordable and appropriate savings and credit building products at key times in their lives. Join us on Women Acquiring Assets and learn the stepping stones to home ownership, investment properties, cryptocurrency, business development, and learn all about saving stocks and so much more. Let's grow our networks together. Women's Inflection Point is a nonprofit, educational, and results-driven entity providing women a success path to reach maximum potential in each of their life cycle stages. Women's Inflection Point focuses on three tiers of Maslow's hierarchy of needs pyramid, human wellness, safety, and self-actualization. In other words, we focus on your health, your money, and yourself. An inflection point is an event that results in dramatic and significant change. Our mission is to facilitate occurrences of inflection points that activate unleashed potential to propel women to reach their maximum potential in all aspects of their life. These occurrences are delivered at events throughout the year in organic and diverse, inclusive environments. For more information, visit us at www.womeninflectionpoint.org. Welcome to this week's edition of Women Acquiring Assets. I'm your host, Annika Jackson, and I'm here with Michelle Gomez. How are you today? I'm doing well. And yourself? Pretty good. Can't complain. Can't complain. It's almost springtime. By the, by the time <laughs> this is heard, it probably will be springtime. So uh, hopefully that will bring us warmer weather and, and other changes around the corner. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'd love for you to tell our audience a little bit about what you do. Yeah, I am a marketing consultant. I like to just say a well-rounded marketer. I think I'm the true definition of a marketing manager because marketing is so broad. Mm -hmm. So I know a little bit of everything. I can teach you a little bit of everything. And right now, I focus on inclusive marketing, helping organizations with their diversity and inclusion strategies, I like to say, with a marketing perspective. Mm -hmm. So I look at diversity and inclusion from a marketing perspective. So making sure that these companies have the right message, uh, the right images on their digital platforms, be it their website, social media, um, and this is whether they're hiring candidates or even, you know, their general audience that's going to buy their products and services. So that's what's keeping me busy right now. I am sure that is keeping you busy. busy. <laughs> Your company is called Line 25 Consulting? Yeah. Yeah. And when did you start your agency? I started in the fall of 2013. Mm -hmm. And I actually have a corporate finance background. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have an interesting story. So the short story is um, when I was young in college, like 20 years old, maybe um, in 2004, when Houston had the Super Bowl here, mm -hmm. a friend, he was um, working in the music industry. And he was like, hey, you want to do some marketing promotion Super Bowl weekend? And I was young. I was like, yeah, get in the club. It's free. Yeah, exactly. Sign me, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my first taste of marketing right and 
and I did a good job and people were, you know, calling me back. So that was great because it kept me busy during college, you know. Mm. And when you're in college, like $600 a week or I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, hey, you're making bank. I have no standards. Like, <laughs> that's great. And, um, you know, it just came to a point because I was young. So I was an independent contractor. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know what a 1099 or a W-2. Mm. I had no concept of those things. So when the money ran out, I was like, okay, this is why I need to stay in school, get my degree and I uh, focused on finance. So I did that for about seven years and I was still doing stuff on the side, but keep in mind, we were going into digital, um, web 2.0, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it was like, I'm reading some stuff, but not necessarily connecting. So I kind of felt like I always had one foot in the marketing, even when I was working in finance. And then in 2013, I was like, okay, I see what's going on here. <laughs> I'm a little bit wiser and that's when I started line 25 consulting wow wonderful well and I I wish I had that finance background when I started my company <laughs> I'm sure it was very helpful to you yeah I you know I think working at the bank was probably the best job and I would tell college students all the time like if you can become a part-time teller go for mm -hmm. it because unfortunately in our education we're just not going to learn about money right, right? And that exposure of seeing what not to do and then seeing the possibility of what you can do mm -hmm. when you mm -hmm. see a good, healthy bank account, I was like, wow, you know, money really is infinite. Yeah, it, it is. You just have to attract it the right way right. and make sure that you're that you understand your value right in the marketplace. Absolutely. Like being a college student making $600 a week is one thing, but then you, you can't live on $600 a week when you get, you know, a little more seasoned, shall we say. <laughs> right. You grow up and it's like, oh, this is that adulting thing my parents were trying to prepare me for. <laughs> oh, yeah, that. Wow. So you are just amazing reading your bio you founded the African-American Marketing Association. Wait, so that wasn't, that didn't exist? I know, I know. It's funny. I always tell people um, that idea actually came to me uh, the December 2013, but mm. I just had too much on my plate. So for about six years, I would literally Google African-American Marketing, mm -hmm. Black Marketing Associations, and nothing would pop up. Um, and then, you know, I always, I always equated to you know, you have your eye on that red Mercedes, like you never see it. And then as soon as you drive it off the lot, it's like, oh, <laughs> <there's>, <laughs> there, there goes one driving by. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> so um, I like to say I was probably the first one to formalize it as mm -hmm. far as having a website, um, having a 501c3. Um, but what I soon realized that there was just pocket of marketers on, you know, Slack, mm. um, a lot of these messaging platforms. Um, so it's been an experience. Um, so definitely collaborating with other groups and organizations on just amplifying our voice and more importantly, creating webinars at this point on professional development. Like, how do I navigate my career? How do I navigate my business? Um, and like I said earlier, marketing is so broad. So it's not just about being a marketer. I think, you know, even if you work in finance, 
Um, maybe you just need to attend one of our webinars on personal development, on negotiating, mm-hmm. right? Um, maybe you're an HR manager and you need to attend our webinar on emergency crisis, right? So try to give people a broad perspective. It's like at the end of the day, we're just creating these opportunities for you to learn um, and have resources in order for you to navigate your career or business. Yeah, I, I have been uh, in marketing so long that I remember when, you know, now you go on Clubhouse and you sit in rooms, but back then you went into AOL chat rooms and you searched by subject. I'm like, oh, Clubhouse is the new AOL. <laughs> yeah, our Yahoo forums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. So it's so funny to think about how much it's changed. And I love the fact that you're bringing up the, that, you know, because I, I work in PR, but I always start with a marketing base. And I wanna make sure everybody has all of those foundational steps done because then I can do my job better. And if they don't, then I use my marketing hat, right? And and help them with that. But I think that's one of the things as, as um, entrepreneurs, I felt like when I was trying to fit into corporate, a lot of times they wanted somebody with like one skill set, one niche, but that's not the way the world works. And so I, th- I think that's often why we're drawn to consulting or other work because we know you know, we're like, no, we have we have this, we have that, we can do these, you know, we have all these capabilities and we want to be able to use all of them to do the best service that we can, right? Yeah, you know, corporate is tough because, you know, especially when they start cutting out middle managers, it's like they're trying to get as much as possible in one person or maybe they want you to go deep in a specialized skill. And especially when I, you know, from my experience as well as yours, like when you get into the marketing, advertising, and PR, all, it's different, but all of it's intertwined. So it's like you have to bring someone else in, you know, be it an employee or a, an agency. Um, it's, it's not something like, oh, well, we can neglect PR and we'll put all of our money in marketing. It's like, no, you need the PR arm to amplify your voice (laughs) on the marketing that you're doing because you created this ad you know right right (laughs) it's like we all need each other we're all working together it's not something that you know one person can do it all even whether it's sales or creative I think a lot of companies try to cram those roles Mm. together as well and it's like no you need a dedicated sales team that's going to work with the marketing team that's going to work with the um, creative team. That way we can get the messaging right. That way we can have images that represent all of our clients Mm. that we currently have or that we want to target. So I I just love, I geek out on this stuff. (laughs) I I can hear it all day. I can absolutely hear it all day. Um, So you started the nonprofit, you have your consulting company and has it been more of a recent change that you've seen more people interested in lifting up their diversity initiatives? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because my marketing company has pivoted always. You know, I've never been afraid to be flexible. So when I started in 2013, I was helping companies with content and social media marketing strategies. Mm. So in 2019, when we launched the African American Marketing Association, it was just really about bringing black marketers together to discuss our careers really 
But what I realized is when I was talking to these um, HR reps from agencies or agency leaders and, you know, top 500 companies, Home Depot, um, Banana Republic, and whomever else, it's like they all had the same problem. It was like, where are the black marketers? And I was like, we're here. You know, (laughs) I have access to 300 of them. But from those conversations, I realized, hey, my consulting company can fill this gap over here. And I already knew what the boundaries were between my nonprofit and my consulting company. So I think that helped. I think with entrepreneurship as a whole, it's like, how do you identify and solve problems? Yeah. Um, and then that's what I was able to do. I think the crazy thing was I was already in the process of changing my business and COVID hit. So <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was, I was devastated because I was like, I, my business service was no longer going to be a priority. You know, mm-hmm. that was the lens I was looking at it and, but I kept planning. I just kept my head down. And I was creating these elaborate training programs. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen. So I just kept trimming my services. And then unfortunately, when George Floyd death, that really amplified just the overall situation. Um, And my phone has been ringing ever since. Yeah, it's it's a strange thing of, I think, in our business, we thought uh, pandemic, everybody's going to stop spending money. And instead, we... I feel like a lot of us saw the reverse where people were like, oh, actually the market's even more crowded because everybody's at home paying attention to what's going on. So we need to figure out new ways to get our voices out there and engaged. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast earlier, um, Rachel Rogers, Mm. something about being a millionaire, but uh, she was interviewing uh, an attorney and she said in 2019, there was like 500,000 trademarks filed. Last year, there was over 700, like 730, yeah, 750,000 trademarks filed. And I think that goes to, you know, people that, so much, but people just want to create that extra income, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's their job or maybe they've been um, side hustling and it's like, okay, now I got to get my stuff together and and it's just amazing how much positive stuff, how much awareness has come from the pandemic. Yeah. So um, beyond increased diversity initiatives, what are some of the trends that you're seeing um, in marketing and digital marketing these days? I think the biggest thing is SEO right now, mm-hmm. um, just because people have time to search. Um, and this could be SaaS products, right? Because people are wanting to be efficient. Um, obviously, those things have a cost, right? But now they have the time to be like, okay, this person's been calling me or been getting these emails. Let me look into this product. Let me compare it to other things, right? Um, it can be as simple as office furniture. So I think SEO and content is always going to be there. Um, the next thing, definitely audio. Uh, with the rise of Clubhouse. Uh, Podcast falls under audio. So you have podcasts, which we're exercising right now, video podcasts. I would even, YouTube is video, but uh, video and audio, to me, it's like neck and neck. Mm -hmm. Um, I am a YouTube fanatic, but lots of times um, I don't always watch 
the video, you know, depending on what I decide to listen to. Um, so audio and video is going to be up there. I think those would be the main things. But I also encourage anyone, whatever your industry is, um, utilize Google Trends and find a way. You have to create content. Like at the end of the day, however you create it, whether it's audio, video or written, you have to find a way to create content and house it on your website. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are good tips. And you're preaching to the choir. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you also have a lot of leadership experience through different organizations that you've been part of. We were talking about this before the interview where we both are Leadership Houston alums, and you've been part of, you're part of the National Black MBA Association, Forbes the Culture. You received a Courageous Marketing Leader Award, uh, and you've been part of Houston Black Leadership Institute. Amazing. Um, You know, just trying to learn, mm-hmm. just trying to learn, surround myself with good people, networking. I think the amazing thing that each program, each organization serves a different purpose, depending on the time Mm. where I am in my life. Um, I know in 2014, I was down and out, you know, I was a new business owner, had, I thought I knew what I was doing. I had no clue. (laughs) And, (laughs) And I was going through challenges, you know, there was, you know, people said, say six months, of savings I went through it in three or four months like (laughs) yeah that's a hard one it's a great business theory (laughs) you know so these so-called things I thought I checked off and I was ready for the leap and I leap oh my god I got bumps and bruises and scrapes all over my body and and it's a hard pill to swallow because you're like I did the degree I got a couple of degrees. I, I did the good job. Mm-hmm. I saved the money and I've been a responsible taxpaying citizen. So what's going on here? And I think, you know, HPLI at the time, it just brought a, an assurance that I couldn't put a price on. Right. And it was something that I was looking forward to. Um, and these programs create a new self-awareness. Um, so I'm always... I always encourage going through leadership programs. Um, and every semester I talk to the students at Prairie View A&M University. Nice. And I'm like, your education doesn't stop here. Mm-hmm. No, um, you don't need a resume or a letter of recommendation only for that internship or for that job. It's like, I'm almost 40 and I'm still calling friends like, hey girl, can you, can you write a letter of recommendation for me? Are going back to that client like, hey, you know, I need that testimonial, right? So it doesn't stop with the degree, like just finding different ways to learn, whether it's these pro- leadership programs, you know, podcasts such as yours, or reading a book. And I just really encourage it. I'm always trying to develop myself personally and professionally. Wonderful. And I, I have a perfect segue, but we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Annika Jackson. At Annika PR, we provide public relations strategy, content marketing, and brand and design services. 
We are gifted with the ability to draw excitement to an event, brand, or concept. Don't just take our word for it. See our clients' work in Forbes, CNN, Amazon TV shows, and much more. Want your brand amplified? Go to AnnikaPR.com. That's A-N-I-K-A-P-R.com. And we are back on Women Acquiring Assets. And I am here with Michelle Gomez, and it's such a pleasure. You were just talking about leadership, lifelong learning, making sure people are reading books, listening to podcasts. And speaking of that, you are a two-time author yourself, and you host a podcast. So will you tell us a little bit about your books and how you were inspired to enter that journey? Because I love writing. I have book ideas outlined, but girl, I can't find the time. <laughs> so... So you're inspiring me today. I'm like, okay, I got to get with it. Um, so tell you, us about you have to get it out. <laughs> you, have to, you have to get it out. I mean, I remember just being younger. It's like, I always wanted to be a writer and or an author, right? Because mm-hmm. those are two different things if you think about it. You can write and never publish. And I don't like my writing. So for the longest, I was one of those people. Um but, you know, when I was saying, when I was down and out, I was like, if I don't do anything else, I have to release the book. Mm. Because once again, I don't even know if I was 30, but like just being an author, it's just, <laughs> it was, you know, you grow up, yeah. it's just so prestigious and it's so rare, and, you know, start doing my homework. And um, it was like, okay, well, what do I know? And I remember once again, networking. A lot of people would just ask me questions on networking. It's like, mm. how do you know so many people? And, you know, how do I create a LinkedIn profile and all of these things? <clears throat> Excuse me. And I just took those questions and I wrote my first book, Network, Navigate, and Nurture. And it's just a simple 50-page book because mm. I had no idea what I was doing. I was the first person in my network to write a book. Um, and I figured it out. And I started doing, I stumbled across podcasting. Mm. So I was looking to promote the book. I thought I was going to, I was reaching out to blogs and I stumbled across podcasting, did a few interviews and they're like, Hey, this is really good. You should start a podcast. And I believe anytime, and this is biblical. So anytime I hear two or three people say the same thing, I'm like, this is confirmation. Let me look into it. Started a podcast networking with Michelle kept it very simple nice. <laughs> <laughs> and um I was just interviewing people such as yourself you know um entrepreneurs professionals talking about networking how they grew their career their business etc and I did that for four four or five years um but within I want to say within two years so let me go back a little bit so with the podcast I would um ask all of my guest how do you define success mm. because I was realizing um I'm a, I have a business now but this is my business is not what it looks like what I was seeing on tv <laughs> <laughs> and um I, I talk about it um I'm an 80s baby so I talk about it in the book like um lifestyles of the rich and famous oh. I used to watch that show <laughs> And I was like, hey, you know, I have this business, but I don't have these luxury items that the TV told me. Mm-hmm. But um, so it was like, you know, um, as an adult, what does success look like? So my podcast is you can really hear me trying to navigate this life. And um, I took 
those first hundred episodes, I wrote my second book, Success Undefined. Wow. So what does success look like for you? Right now, um, truly freedom, consistency, um, stability, um, being able to help my mom. I think that's another thing, being in that sandwich generation. Um, it can be very challenging. And I think with the snowstorm passing recently. Oh, boy. Yeah, just feeling, you know, we still went through some stuff after that one week storm, but just being able to be there for my mom and not have to worry about PTO and what am I going to tell my boss? Is my boss even understanding? And I hope that one day I will be that understanding boss and just trust my employees. But that, I mean, to me, that's truly the freedom. I think lots of times we think about vacation and <laughs> having lunch on and the patio. Are, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and those are great too. And we need those too. But um, really being there for family in the time of crisis and, mm. you know, trying to, work through the aftermath is, is important. It's a highlight now. Wow, that's really beautiful. So you primarily work with small businesses at this point, or are you working with some pretty large organizations now because your work has kind of pivoted? Yeah, it, it's a mix, mm -hmm. but mainly focused on large organizations. Okay. And I know I asked this um, when I have people fill out the form before, mm -hmm. You, uh, before we do the interview, I imagine that with the pivot in your company and the fact that every day, not only be, as a, a black woman, but because of the work that you're doing, helping these organizations lift up diversity, equity, inclusion, that self-care has to be even more important because, I mean, I know I, most of my clients are minority entrepreneurs. I'm Asian, so living, I know what it, I feel like living in that space and it can be exhausting. So it has to be double, triple exhausting um, since that is the hub of your work. So Yeah, it's interesting. I think um, some of my self-care would be definitely the manicure, the pedicure, the massages, um, and just having a cutoff time, you know, just like, okay, Michelle, <laughs> <laughs> it's five o'clock it's six o'clock you know um but it's it's hard so I'm gonna be honest there's times I feel like if my laptop is not open I'm not doing any work I could stare at the screen but I just need my laptop to be open right <laughs> so it's like I'm constantly checking myself um I have an awesome therapist champion counseling mm -hmm. been working with her through some years and, you know, I definitely started seeing her years ago through a crisis, but now it's just maintenance, right? Now it's just once a month, hey, this is what's going on and having the safety that she can question me, that she can provoke thought, she can provide a different perspective. Um, I can, whether it's hindsight or maybe something's coming up, maybe I can just approach it differently. Mm. So all of those things help keep me grounded. Wonderful. And beyond the passion that you bring to your everyday work, your paid work, you're also very passionate about your family's country of origin and helping yeah. there. So what does that look like for you? 
So my parents are from Cameroon. Uh, Central Africa is actually next door to Nigeria. And I really want to become a philanthropist, like full-fledged philanthropist. And, you know, being able to contribute to a school, you know, I think lots of times we say building a school, building a library, and maybe those things are already there. But if I could help, you know, with a large scale donation, I think that would be the dream come true. Wow. And I imagine that there are programs, though, where you could teach the, the skills that you've learned and um, help people on their journey to be an entrepreneur or to be a digital marketer. Yeah, um, I have been struggling with myself. I need to do a better job sharing my story, like mm -hmm. setting the camera on by myself and, <laughs> <laughs> and talking. <laughs> so a lot of people have been encouraging me to do that. So I think I'm definitely getting to that point. Um, yeah, because it is a balance. And I think when um, it, it's, I don't want to say it's a weight, but it's definitely a delicate balance of uh, being, I say African-American. Mm -hmm. And I think what people fail to realize um, with individuals like us, yes, we're in America, but home you know, when we're with our mom and dad, like, no, that's country, that's back home, you know, yeah. that's Cameroon, that's Taiwan, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's different, and, um, you know, like, always code switching, it's just two different worlds, and even though I'm 38 years old, my mom and I, we still have a disconnect, right, mm -hmm. um, we're still educating and being patient with each other, on stuff that's going on because there's just a lot of cultural differences it's yeah. it, did you find um growing up because my mom moved here for college and then stayed mm -hmm. yep. and um but growing up you know i didn't learn thai because we did a lot of things with um thai new years and you know thai student association at kansas university but i Think because she was still perfecting her English, she didn't want us to, she didn't want to confuse it, right? And so there were definitely disconnects. And culturally, what you do in one country can be so different than what you do in another country and how you just everyday things, you know? Um, and so at some point, she was a social worker. She would take me with her when she would, when immigrant families would come in that were sponsored through a church mm -hmm. or through an organization, and she would be helping them learn how you wash dishes here or how mm -hmm. you discipline your kids or things like that, that we don't even think about. So I'm with you on that, the, the differences and how we can acknowledge and celebrate, but also help each other, right? Yeah, and I just wish more Americans, all Americans, were sensitive to that. Because um, I know, you know, growing, well, first of all, kids are me. The kids are just yeah. oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, a couple of years ago when Black Panther came out, it was like, oh, now it's cool to be African. But it's like I had a hard time growing up amongst other Black students, you mm -hmm. know. And 
And even now, you know, there's so many stories in between, but fast forward to even now, you know, having, I think as an adult, you know, now my mom has a different level of respect for me, right? So our conversation is different. And it's like, I know my mom has been discriminated mm-hmm. against, right? Like, I know she's she has a good job, but I also know there's certain things that she hasn't been able to obtain because she's African, right? Or because her English is not yep. perfected. And it's annoying. It's it's so annoying because I, I can't do anything about it. But, you know, I think um, a lot of Americans don't realize what I consider myself first generation. I know some people go back between first and second, but a lot of Americans don't realize um, the hurdles that first generation kids go through um, by having immigrant parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you're lifting up that people might want to lump you into one category, right? Just based on your skin tone or because of who they perceive that you are, but they really have no idea. They really have no understanding. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's interesting. And then, you know, obviously, you know, talking to other friends that, you know, come from similar backgrounds. And then, you know, honestly, we're a lot of like, when, you, when we get into Africans, um, Indians, Asians, mm-hmm. Filipinos, like all of our stories are pretty much the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, I think I have I have aunts and uncles who came over. They had to wait 12 years to get their visa. By the time they got approval, they had kids that were grown that couldn't come over because they no longer qualified. And they had amazing jobs in Thailand, best house, you know, engineers, whatever, but then mm-hmm. coming here, they had to work in a factory. They that those skills should be transferable, but because of the language or because they didn't have, you know, the certification from the US, even though they know how to do the work. Like that's little- another good point. Yeah. The education, you know, doctors, very successful doctors, teachers, etc., professionals losing all of that just to come to America and then sometimes America's not what it seems like you know especially like especially if you come like 25 and older Mm -hmm. you know but if you come intentionally for college I think things can be a little bit different for you but yeah yeah but when you come over and all you see is what's on tv yeah right yeah Yeah. totally different experience so has the fact that you're first generation also helped shape your work oh absolutely um uh, empathy you know, if I was going to just sum it up with one word, um, similar to your mom, my mom was a social worker uh, when I was younger. And my mom has actually a longstanding career. She's um, working with individuals that are intellectually disabled. Oh, wow. Right. So for me to be a child, you know, eight, 19 years old, and she's working with, you know, kids my age or adults, but they have, unfortunately, Um, that disability Mm -hmm. you know I I thank God I was exposed to that at a young age right Um, and then obviously with her being African and her friends it's just a great deal of empathy and I remember you know being a telephone banker through college and um, you know especially um, Indians adult Middle Eastern adults they're just like you know they always people always apologize for their accent and it was like you don't have to apologize for your accent 
And I'll, I'll just sit on the phone and listen to them and <laughs> explain to them, you know, whatever. And they're like, oh, thank you so much for being patient. No one's ever explained it to me like this before. Um, but I have that empathy because of my mom, you know, because wow. of who she is in the profession that she works in. So what is next for Michelle and for Line 25 and for African-American marketing? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I just want to bring people together. So just bringing more people together and creating resources. Um, I'm really thinking about getting into podcasting again, uh, creating and sharing a platform. I think that's always important. Um, but you know, it's a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) So making sure I have enough time for that. And then I'm also working on a book. Um, don't know the title yet, but it's going to be based on inclusive marketing. Ooh. Yeah, so sharing my framework, and I'm hoping to release that at the top of next year. Oh, that's amazing. I can't wait to read that. So you'll let's definitely keep in touch because oh, absolutely. it sounds amazing, and it's it's much needed, and I think it's much needed from the perspective of your lived experience too, right? Yeah, you know, like... As cliche as a sound representation really does matter, um, you know, whether you're a girl turning into a woman, um, we like people really need to know what's possible. And more importantly, um, the way marketing, particularly influencer marketing is changing, um, we need to be mindful of that because a lot of these antiquated systems or there's unconscious bias in marketing that's you know carrying over into this new industry and I, I want to talk about it. Yeah. I, I've seen some of the articles and things about that of okay, so this com- XYZ company invited their influencers to a special event, but they all look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So so <laughs> who are they trying to reach? They're not trying to reach me. They're not trying to reach you. <laughs> Yeah, like, like, you know how you know, but you don't know. And I think what made it really clear was a couple of years ago with the fire Festival. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I watched I watched both documentaries and I was like, there's two there's there's two social medias. Like there's clearly a white Instagram because none of my black friends. And I think I have an eclectic group. Right. I follow mm-hmm. and, you know, vice versa, not just black people. But, like, none of my black friends were like, fire what? Like, yes. Oh, yeah. We had no clue this festival was being created. <laughs> and, and then, of course, you know, black Twitter and stuff like that. But, yeah, it, the, the dichotomy of social media is a trip in itself. Yeah. Well, I think we're really lucky to have you helping change the face of it <laughs> and educate people on, on what needs to happen. Seriously. Yeah. So I just want to contribute. Yeah. Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, I feel like that's what we want to do as marketers and publicists is we want to help other people find their voice and we want them, we want to help lift them up using the skills, the God-given skills that we have, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what is, uh, how would people find you on your website, social media? Yeah, so Michelle Gomez, last name N-G-O-M-E, so michellegomez.com. 
Uh, those are all of my social media handles. So you can follow me on Instagram for the cool stuff, Facebook for the real stuff, and LinkedIn for the professional stuff. I love that. <laughs> love that delineation. Is there um, anything else that you want to leave our audience with today? I'm just grateful. <laughs> Thanks for having um, having me here. Thanks for listening. And you know, if you do follow me, please. I'm like, hey, I was listening to the podcast. And I'll be glad to respond. Well, I am very happy that uh, C. Renee connected us. And you, uh, she, as if you don't know, listeners, she is the creator of Women's Inflection Point and Equity Movement, who are the people behind this podcast. Um, so I, she brings me amazing people to get to talk to and interview and connect with. And uh, Michelle, I'm definitely going to follow you and friend request you and all that. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Likewise, likewise. <laughs> and audience, this has been another edition of Women Acquiring Assets. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week. Well, that's it for this episode. To learn more about who we are and what we do, visit www.womeninflectionpoint.org backslash WAA. If you have anything you'd like to share, Annika would love to hear from you. And she can be reached at info at womeninflectionpoint.org. Be sure to tune in every week for another episode and learn more about how financial assets are a store of resources that women and families can tap into, particularly during emergencies. And how wealth can provide a nest egg that can be leveraged into investments like a home, an investment property, or a business, and then can be passed on to future generations. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.